sweet nightmare. I got my co-host, Krista, here, my BFF4N, as you all know her. Hello, everyone. Calling her my co-host now. Everybody get used to it. Promoted, as of today. Promoted, high class B, she's ready to go. Um, today, we are doing Scott Peterson. Yes. Which is which, a big one. Yeah, doesn't really need a lot of an introduction, but I think today's does, because... We're taking a different take on it. We are taking a different take. Well, I should say Krista is. So this is how we're going to do it. Scott Peterson, as you probably all know, was just your average dude living in Modesto, which is pretty close to where I grew up. So when this case was all over the news in 2002, 2003, my family and everyone in the neighborhood was like watching it like a hawk. I think everyone was. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I say like, oh, it was right where I grew up, but like the whole country was watching it yeah, like a hawk. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, he was just your everyday average dude with an eight month, pre- eight month pregnant. Is that how you say it? Lacey was eight months pregnant. Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Lacey, his wife, was eight months pregnant. Just a sweet old thing, you know. Like she just loved her husband, ready to give birth to her sweet, sweet Connor. And Scott Peterson rolls in the picture. I mean, he's always been in the picture because he's her husband, but you know what I mean. Um, And the media really portrayed him as guilty of murdering his wife, Lacey. But as we're going to go in, we're going to do a part one of, you know, talking through the case. I'm going to give my points as to why I think he's guilty. And I... We'll be giving Mike case of why I think he may not be guilty. Yes, so we're going to do a part one and part two. We should preface this by saying, I like, when Chris and I started talking about Scott Peterson, I was like, oh, you mean that guy that murdered his wife? Like, everyone reacts that way. And she was like, no, I swear, like, listen to this episode of Crime Junkie, and it will change your mind. So I listened to it. I do want to say, I still do think that he's guilty. Like, yeah, I do. But Krista's going to present some points that have put lots of doubt in my mind. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say he did not do it. I don't know whether he did it, honestly. Yeah, neither of us do. But I do think that there are some facts that might point otherwise. And... I don't know. I guess we'll let everyone be the judge after at the end of this. Yeah, I actually am very interested like to hear what people think after we post these. Yeah, so am I. Um, and there will be a very interactive social media that I'm going to do around this one because I want people to like vote for what they think and like voice their opinions because I'm honestly curious. So look out for that. Um, should we dive into the timeline of the, the day where it all began? Yeah, let's dive in. All right. So it is December 23rd, 2002. Just to give you an idea of the night before Lacey goes missing, she's having a normal night. She talks to her mom, Sharon, around like 8.30 about their Christmas Eve plans for the next day. Um, so we have that on record that she talked to her mom at 8.30 the night before. Everything was fine. Um, Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2002, Lacey wakes up around 7 or 7.30, and Scott wakes up about a half hour to an hour later. Um, 
Lacey says she's going to walk the dog and then go to the store to get ingredients for a casserole she was bringing to her mom's house later for Christmas Eve. Um, and then at this time, it's around 9.45, and Scott told the police that he recalls watching TV with Lacey and Martha Stewart was on, and she was teaching them how to make like some sort of meringue cookie. So that's like what he remembers of the day. Um, and then within... The next 30 to 40 minutes, Lacey's mopping the floor, according to Scott, while he starts packing up his truck to leave to go out fishing. And he drives to his warehouse that he has the boat in, which is only like 10 minutes from their house. He answers a few emails, and then he looks up on the internet how to put together a woodworking tool he just got. So that's all on record at the computer. Correct. Um, one thing I do want to point out, I don't know if I should point it out now. Yeah, go ahead. It's a t- good, good time to do it. One thing that, um, people don't know is that they actually, like, they found the records of this, like, on the computer, right? And so, um, one thing they did find is that wordworking tool was actually fully assembled, which, which kind of throws a wrench into their timeline, um, we'll get into that a little bit more later, but so, I just like, want to... So, like, he was looking up how to assemble it, but it was already assembled? No, so he was looking up how to assemble it, and when they go there, they find out that it was truly assembled. Oh, so they're like, oh, he he did it. Yeah, he, like, was working on this, basically. Okay. So, like, in this timeline, and like I said, we'll go into this more a little later, but in this time period, this is when they thought that he was, like, wrapping up the body and putting mm-hmm. weights on the body and all of that, so if he's actually taking the time to look this up and put together this woodworking tool like would he have really had time to do that okay got it so then uh scott sorry i have mimosas so i'm a little (laughs) little burpy over here um scott goes to the fishing marina which i know as the berkeley marina because that's where i'm from um and it's not exactly like the san francisco bay but it's nearby i would say So, um, he gets there around 12.55, and he fishes until about 2.10, and then five minutes later, he gets back to the marina, docks his boat, and then it's, like, 3.25. During this time, um, Scott leaves a voicemail for Lacey, and it says, hey, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley, which, I don't know... This, I mean... This is a little strange to me. Like, I... Okay, if you go back to 2002, like, I know that voicemails were very of the essence. Like, nowadays, we would probably just text and be like, hey, I'm leaving Berkeley, and there's a timestamp on it. Correct. But this is 2002. Yes. And answering machines and voicemails were a thing, And you have to say what time it is. So you have to be like, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley. Yeah. Or else she wouldn't know, like, what time you'd be there. Yeah, correct. But in my head, my initial thought is, like, is he doing this so that on on a recording, it says, it places him at a certain time. Right, places it on my time. He's trying to sound like a concerned husband, checking in with his wife. Like, I mean, I think that's what everyone remembers from this call, and that's how it really got portrayed, for sure, in the media, that it was something, like, more sinister. Yeah, so, I don't know, you can take it how you want, but I do think it's a little sus. But on the other hand, it could be totally not sus, so it's like, yeah. whatever you want to think. 
Um, so he gets home around 4.30 or 4.45, and he told police that he noticed that Lacey's car was in the driveway, but she wasn't home. The door was unlocked. Um, the dog was in the backyard with her leash still on. And, I mean, I think that's strange. I guess he didn't think it was very weird. He was like, oh, she's probably out running errands with her mom. Um, but he doesn't really think anything of it. He just jumps in the shower to wash off his fishing clothes. Um, which, like, I think we both agree that we understand why he'd want to wash, like, the stank of the fish off yes, him. Yes, yes, completely. What <clears throat> I don't understand is... If you get home and your wife's car is in the driveway, but the door is unlocked and the dog is in the backyard with her leash still on, like, you don't think any of that is strange? I mean, I don't think he didn't think it was strange, but I think it wasn't, like, red flag, something's happened to my wife. If, okay, if I was in his shoes, though, I would get home and I would at least call her mom and be like, hey, is Lacey with you? I just got home and the door's unlocked. Yeah. And I, like- I mean, I totally get that. Like, I can't argue that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, I do. I I personally would be like, um, like, if it was my husband, I'd be like, okay, where the hell is Eli? Like, <laughs> yeah. let me give him a call. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Or let me call, make sure he's okay. Um, I mean, I guess then it was a very different time, too, though. So you have to kind of keep that in mind. But, True. yeah, it is, it is strange. But does it, I mean... At the same time, I can't say, like, oh, it's because he did, he did it. Yeah, like, exactly. You know. So he explained, like, oh, that's not weird that I jumped right in the shower because I'm in the workshop and it has a lot of chemicals and I have fishing smell. And with a pregnant wife, like, I need to wash it off as soon as possible. Yeah, and one thing that, I mean, people say, like, really was odd to them was that he threw his clothes in the washing machine right when he got there. That's so they what think, they like, oh, maybe there's blood or something. Yeah. Like, he was, why would you get home and put your clothes straight into the washing machine? And that's what he was kind of saying. Like, I'm around chemicals, so that was very common for me to just come home, throw my clothes in the wash, and jump in the shower. So, like, is it odd? I mean, I guess. But here's the thing. If it was blood and he was washing it off immediately, why would he even tell them that he put his clothes straight in the washer? Probably because they usually ask for the clothing you're wearing. Oh, okay. Got it. But... I mean, he could have said something else. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot behind it. You can look at it either way, I think. It's... Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when he gets out of the shower, he sees that there's voicemails. And, of course, the first one is the, hey, beautiful, it's 215 message. Correct. The second one is from Lacey's stepdad asking, like, oh, when you guys come over tonight, can you bring this and that, blah, blah, blah. And this he says is when he started to realize, oh, something's off because I thought, I assumed Lacey was with her mom and clearly she's not because why would her, her stepdad be asking us th- these things? So then just past five o'clock, Scott calls her family and said, you know, I don't know where Lacey is. And that's when shit hits the fan. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott calls her family, says, you know, I don't know where Lacey is. And that's when shit really hits the fan. So on December 25th, the day after, police really start to suspect Scott. So they're like, who else could it be, honestly? His wife's pregnant. Like, maybe he didn't want a baby. Like, let's let's look into Scott. So they ask him to take a polygraph test. And originally he says yes, but then he changes his mind, which could be a little strange to some people. 
Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And then uh, the next day, they ask Scott if they can do a search of his home. And Scott says no. And they're like, oh, well, we just wanted to see what you'd say. We're going to search it anyway. Basically <laughs> trying to bait him. They already had a yeah. search warrant. Um, I think they were honestly trying to see, like, what his response would be. And, like, if he's, in their minds, if he's not guilty, he'll say yes. Let yeah. us do a search. Um and that's not exactly what happened, but... <laughs> Chris is just biting her tongue, like, during this whole part one. <laughs> she's like, oh, it's fine. I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, she's going to come guns a-blazing in part two, so don't even worry. Um, I I am playing devil's advocate. That's my role here. But... No, no, no. wait. You're playing devil's advocate. <laughs> I am. You're saying he did it. I'm the media yes, in this situation. you are. I am, TMZ. And you know what? I would be because I'm the most gullible person that you'll ever meet. She's not lying, everyone. So, like, if the news tells me, like, oh, this person did it, I'm like, oh, my God, he did it. Wow. So that's why we assumed in these roles. Yes. So, okay. Fast forward December 30th. Something interesting. Something takes a turn here. And enter Amber Fry. Frey? Fry? Fry. Fry. Amber Fry. And boy, does she fry little Scotty. Yeah. You know? It's not not what you want. (laughs) Yeah. She is introduced to this case. She's a massage therapist with a 20-month-old daughter. And honestly, the daughter thing, I I just recently was researching this and found out she had a daughter, and it, like, threw me off. Because I was like, interesting. If Scott didn't want kids, like... Whose side are you on here, Marilyn? Well, apparently they they had a little, like, scare, and he was like, I might get a vasectomy because I don't want kids. Mm. Like, he told this to Amber. Very interesting. But, of course, that's all hearsay. Correct. Um, but I do think it's interesting that he was fine dating a mistress that had a baby. Yeah. Um, so they have been having a five-week affair. Which isn't that long, but there's definitely some things that are really suspicious. Can we pause really fast? Totally. I just want to... When you remember this case, didn't you... Like, when you think back to it, like, uh-huh. don't you think of, like, this long, drawn-out affair? Like, that's how I remember it. Like, he was having this, like, massive affair with this woman for a long time. Like, when mm-hmm. I found out it was five weeks, it was kind of shocking to me. I agree that it's shocking, but, like, I think certain things within that five weeks over, like, make it equal to the, like, shock factor. Like, for example, on December 9th, before they were, like, really deep into dating, he told her, like, oh, I lost my wife, and this is my first Christmas without her. So that is, like, a huge, huge problem to me. Like, I'm sorry, but that is very, very suspicious. Yeah, I I mean can't really argue that remark. You can't. So, like, if you think about it, I, I mean, sure, you maybe you don't want to tell the girl that you're having an affair with that your wife is still alive and eight months pregnant. Might be a little bit of a turnoff for her. Um, but to lie and say that she's dead and that it's your first Christmas without her, like, both of those would technically be true later. Yes, they would. <laughs> I, yeah, like I said, I don't really know what to say. Like, he's, he's not a great guy. I'll admit that. Not a great guy. But. Yeah. And so basically, Amber 
Amber, like, for some reason is living under a rock and hasn't seen the news for, like, the first week that Lacey's missing. And then she doesn't even see the news. A friend tells her, and it's like, yeah. hey, look at the newspaper. Isn't this your boyfriend? And she's like, ooh, yikes, yeah. yeah. So she discovers that Scott is... Can you just imagine that for a second? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, imagine this guy you're dating for five weeks. You think he's great. Like, yeah. he's, like, coming to events with you. Like He's, you like, guys... hanging out with your daughter. And then you find out, like, oh, this man is wanted... Not wanted at this point, but he's a suspect in the murder of his wife and pregnant, his pregnant wife. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine what that must have been like for her, so. Well, she was clearly shocked because she told the police that she wanted to cooperate and record all of her phone calls with Scott, which makes things real interesting. Um, we get we get lots of insight uh, into really just Scott's character, you know? And this is... This is where I feel like my my whole case as to why he's guilty is because of his character. Hmm. I know. And circumstantial. Chris, exactly. <laughs> it, it it is circumstantial. But I will tell you, like, the way that he is, it's like who else would have done this based on how he acts in certain situations? And like obviously Krista's gonna present lots of facts, but but I, even if the facts don't quite add up, it's like He's a piece of shit, and who else would have killed his wife? It makes no sense. So anyways, just to give you a little example, um, he told Amber, you know, oh, this is my first Christmas without my wife, and, like, I think I'm just going to go to Paris because I'm just so heartbroken, and I need to spend the holidays somewhere else and, like, get distracted, you know? So obviously he doesn't go to Paris. Like he's this little douchebag living in Modesto. Like he's not going to go to Paris. Yeah, and he's in the midst of like a ongoing search for <laughs> yeah. his wife. So I, yeah, don't, I don't. I don't think he's jet setting off to Paris. He but failed to that, mention that. That is what he told Amber. So. He did. So, just to give you like a little insight, he is at a candlelight vigil for his missing wife, and you know just. Place yourself in that situation. If you're at a candlelight vigil for your wife and unborn child, how do you think that you would act? Me personally? Yeah. Heartbroken. Devastated. Devastated. Probably. Trying to keep it together. Mm -hmm. Just wanting to be surrounded by family. Yes. And I know where you're going with this. Okay. <laughs> I know you too. Like, I feel like... Like, have you seen Gone Girl? Yes. This case to me reminds me so much of Gone Girl because it's all it's it's pretty much like identical, almost. It's like everyone's Did watching. Did he do it in Gone Girl? No, he didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, touche, Krista. But I'm saying the way that the media is, oh, for it's sure. identical yeah. because everyone is watching him like a hawk to see how he's gonna react to things. Yeah, and yeah, well, this is like around the same time, right? When the 24-hour, like, news cycle first started, right? Yes. So they're trying to find stuff to fill, like, that 24 hours. And this case comes up. He's, to your point, he's not acting the way they think he should act, um, whatever that may look like. Yeah. And so, yeah, this it's a media circus for yeah. sure. So everyone has cameras on him like a hawk. The police are listening to his phone calls, which is honestly, like, hilarious to me. 
And also, like, if you listen to these recorded phone calls, Amber sounds like she's, like, a sex line. Like, her voice is ridiculous. It's like, oh, hi, Scott. How are you tonight? Oh, my God. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. She she sounds ridiculous. But anyways, that's beside the point. Um, He's at this candlelight vigil. You would expect him to be, like, not holding it together, like, a mess, right? It's, it's uh, New Year's Eve, by the way. So they, he obviously wants to talk to his girlfriend um, instead of mourning the loss of his wife or potential loss of his wife. And, he, you know, he's in Paris, living the life. Uh, so he calls Amber. Krista's scowling at me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just know it's coming. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to put my phone up to the microphone. Uh, sorry, Ty, my editor and boyfriend, if this doesn't sound good, but I think we need to hear it. Okay, I think that's enough. Also, the fact that he says he has a friend in Paris named Pasquale. Um, a little comical. <laughs> but yes, that's not what you want. You definitely do not want to be calling your mistress while you're at the vigil for missing wife and son. I mean, okay. Laughing. He, he is laughing and talking about fireworks at the Eiffel Tower. And he's, he's like, chuckling about it. Yeah, he is. Okay, like... (sighs) I am not saying he's not completely disgusting. Here's the thing, though. (laughs) Like... Here's the thing. Even if he didn't do it, like, if he... If he has no idea, like, where his wife is and, like, maybe someone killed her, he could not act like that. He would be, like, devastated. He would be, like... You know? I mean, that's what we think, yeah. I mean, that's how we would be, because we, like, love our significant others. And, I mean, just because, I don't know. I don't know that it says, this proves he murdered her. I get that it's very disturbing mm-hmm. and paints a picture of his character, like you said, which, I mean, that, yeah, it's <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hard to argue argue that, that voicemail or it's really hard. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know? I'm you just going to stop. I'm just going to say guilty one, not guilty zero. <laughs> okay. This we'll, point. We'll, we'll check the tally at the end, girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> so, okay. That's problematic at, at the least, you know? Yes. Um, fast forward January 6th, 2003. Well, really fast. Just yeah. another thing. I'm, I mean, this isn't helping me at all, but another thing that came, came from that... Um, that same night was the the picture that was taken. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, oh yes, I remember yes. this picture. I forgot to go into and this. And he is basically at the vigil. Um, in the picture, it looks like he's smiling, almost laughing. Mm-hmm. And 
the tabloids got it and it was plastered everywhere. Like, I legitimately remember this oh, yeah, photo coming out and being like, oh my gosh, he did it. Yeah. There's like, just there's no, no other way. way. And, I mean, his sister did come to his defense and say that Scott was talking to his niece and, like, they were sharing a special moment together. What special moment? I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. But that's what she said. They were sharing a moment and he smiled at her. And that's, of course, the picture that they took and ran with. Okay. So, just another another little tidbit for that yeah. New Year's And we'll evening. post that on the medias, the social medias. Perfect. Um, really going to help me. <laughs> yeah, it's going to help Krista's case a lot. Honestly, all the pictures I post, um, you know, including the one where he's at a Christmas party <clears throat> with Amber the night that his pregnant wife is home alone. That's another one I'll post. That's, that's pretty damning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so January 6th, um, you know, this is like two weeks after Lacey's missing. He finally comes clean to Amber and is like, so I lied to you. My wife's actually not gone. She's missing. Um, she has been since Christmas Eve. And she's like, uh, what the hell? You told me she was dead on December 9th. So, like, this is pretty weird for me. Um, and so then a few weeks after that, on the 24th, she decides to come forward um, in a press conference and tell everyone that, you know, like, Scott has been having an affair with me and I had no idea he was married and all this stuff, like, that makes Scott look just horrible, just horrid. Um, and you'd think after that press conference that Scott would call her up and be like, okay, cool, like, you've betrayed me, you know what I mean? But he calls her and is like, I just want to let you know that was really brave of you, and I'm so proud of you. It's very strange. It's really weird. It's it's very weird, and I don't know whose side that more speaks to. <laughs> like, it's just strange. Well, I think it speaks more to mine. <laughs> I'm biased, but <laughs> I think he was trying to, like, keep his cool in the situation so that people wouldn't think that he's, like, some enraged person yeah. who's gonna like lash out that makes sense i think he was sense. trying to be like i mean the best thing he could have done was not call <laughs> yeah but. but i think he was trying to make a point like i respect you and your decision to like talk to the media yeah. and like because so, if if he would have reacted and been like oh f you like yeah blah blah, blah then people would be like wow he's a rageful person yeah. like yeah he's capable yeah so yeah i think he did that intentionally um, okay, so nothing really happens for a few months, um, and then come April 13th and 14th, Lacey and Connor, the baby, both of their bodies are discovered in the San Francisco Bay, um, which is not where Scott went fishing, contrary to what some people think. Um, it's, he went fishing in, like, the Berkeley Marina, and the San Francisco Bay is not the same, but it's close, um... So it's definitely suspicious, uh, especially because he was out that way. And Modesto, like, just to give you an idea, is not near either of those things. Like, okay, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not from NorCal, so I don't know the, the layout and how close <laughs> these things are to, to, like, to each yeah. other. So that's, that's super helpful. So where he went fishing and the San Francisco Bay is very close to each other. Okay. Not the same location, but very close. And Modesto is... Probably, like, an hour north. Okay. No, no, no. An hour south. Sorry. I'm, like, really bad at geography. 
But yes, an hour south of there. So like Modesto, hour south of both of the, those things. Okay, both. They're they're that close that it's yes. kind of an hour to each one. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, and like Modesto is like way out in the boonies, like almost like kind of like farm area. Gotcha. And the Bay and Berkeley is totally different area. Yeah. So like whoever dumped the bodies there, if they were from Modesto, they had to drive about an hour. Okay. So yeah. Um, it's definitely still suspicious, in my opinion. Like, even if he went fishing, just to prove face that he was, like, going fishing. The fact that they were found in water is very suspicious. I will... No, but I'm saying, like, maybe he went fishing to get the timestamp on the parking. Right. And then he hopped over near the San Francisco Bay, dumped the bodies there. Oh, okay, okay. You know? I'm I'm seeing what you're laying down. Yeah, that's my opinion, but... Um, okay, so the 14th, and then I have a question. Do you know if after the bodies were found, it, I'm assuming that was all over the media too, right? Oh, yeah. So Scott had to have known I, by the 18th. Uh, actually, I don't know. I don't know when they released that they found the bodies. I do not know. Okay. Um, I'm not sure about that either, but on the 18th, which is a few days after the bodies were discovered, um... This is a weird situation. So, (laughs) Scott is pulled over, uh, heading towards San Diego. And he has bleach blonde hair. (laughs) Chris is rolling her eyes because she has a rebuttal for, like, all this stuff, which we'll get into. Um, And it it I mean, it looks like he's running for the border. There's just no way around it. And that's for sure (laughs) what was portrayed to everyone. Yes. So he has, um, he's got, you know, four cell phones, which, why? Why do you have four cell phones in your car? He has camping equipment, his brother's ID, $15,000 in cash, um, and a dozen Viagra pills, which is, you know, a nice touch. Um, I mean, how do you explain all that stuff? And, I'm, and there was a knife in there, too, by the way. Um, I forget if I said that, but you didn't. Okay, yeah. By the <laughs> way, um, so he is he is going so fast because the police are behind him. Like he's clearly trying to run to the border. They finally pull him over. Allegedly, finally pull him over uh, near like La Jolla, and the first thing that he says is, "Tell me it's not Lacey and Connor." According to the police. When, come on, at this point, he has to have known that the bodies have been found. To your point, if if it was released in the media, that is very weird. So strange that he because would say that. Because you know that he, they, he, he, they he would have been contacted first. So I don't know. Like, that is a good, that is a very good point in yeah. question. It's weird. It's very weird. And like... I know that there's, like, weird little explanations for everything in his car, which Krista will go into, but come on, you know? Like, there's just no way that all of that mixed together doesn't mean something. I don't know. So, anyways, after that, you know, fast forward, there's the trial. We're going to save all of that stuff because it's, I mean, I think Krista gets into it a little bit, but... In November of 2004, Scott Peterson is convicted of first-degree murder for his wife's death and second-degree murder for Connor's death. Um, 
and the judge sentenced him to death, and he called the murder of Lacey cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous, which, you know, hashtag agree. Um, so now I'm just going to go into a little bit about why I personally think that he's guilty, which I've al- also talked about a little bit, but Let's these are like... Reiterate it. Let's yeah. call out the highlights. Yes. These are the main things that I have an issue with. Uh, number one is his demeanor. So I can understand why he would shower right after fishing. But, and I already went over this. Like, to not think that things were weird is a huge red flag to me. Like, that's even back in 2002, that is weird. I'm sorry. And the detective said, like, when they first met Scott, obviously they're expecting him to be, like, confused and outraged and sad, like, wanting answers about where his wife is. But the detective was like, I suspected him right when I met him. He, it didn't mean that he did it, but I was a little bit thrown off by his calm, cool demeanor and his lack of questioning. He wasn't like, will you call me back? Can I have one of your cards? What are you guys doing now? So you would, any, any situation like that, that you read about or that you know firsthand, like people are hounding the police. They're like, where, what can I be doing? Like, can I help you in any other way? Like, where the fuck is she? You know, um, he didn't do any of that. And in fact, um, he also was like concerned about his car when the police parked too close to it and like. All this stuff where it's like, why do you care, dude? Like, your wife is missing. So, I'd say number one is his demeanor. That, to me, speaks volumes. Um, And the whole affair is the second thing. Um, Not only did Scott cheat with Amber and, like, go to Christmas parties while Lacey was home alone and, you know, talked to her on the phone about Paris and all this stuff, he had two other affairs before Amber. So... To now, me, is this question, because yes. I'm just, I didn't know this. Is this while they were dating or while they were married? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I think, I think both. Maybe one other while they were married and, like, one in college, I'm pretty sure. Okay. That's very interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. He had two other ones. And to me, this shows his zero respect for Lacey. Like, I don't know, you know, maybe one affair, he slips up, like, and it's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But, like, to have three total that we know of cheating scandals no respect and in my opinion this means that he does not like monogamy he is clearly not wanting to be stuck in like a conventional situation like that and the fact that there's a baby now on the way is a threat to him because it means that he's more stuck and it's a bigger threat to his like cheating lifestyle um and I think he wanted more freedom and the baby coming was a representation of the opposite to him and, like, it just seems like the total opposite of someone that would be heartbroken and sad and stressed over their missing wife and unborn baby. So that's my second point, is the cheating history of Scott. Um, and then the third is the items in the car when they found him. Like, that's just that's just straight-up weird. Um, like, if he's not running for the border, what what's he doing? You know? Krista's snarking. I, will, I mean, I'm not snarking. I, I will get into what uh, his alleged take on the events that okay. happened that day are. But yes, that is a very good point. And that's, I think, honestly, that was one of the things that, like, sticks out to me when I remember, like, I mean, mind you, I was, what, like, 10 mm-hmm. when this case came out? Yeah, same. What, like, I was 11, I think. Yeah, no, wait, no. you're older than me. Yeah. <laughs> it was 2002. Okay, I was 9 and you were 10. Yeah. So... 
And I remember, like, the the whole, like, running for the border with dyed hair, like, all this crazy stuff in his car. I feel like, like this is when we were birthed as murderinos. It, it might potentially. be. Potentially. It like, might be. Because this is a case that was all over the media, and, like, what other exposure would we have to, like... It's for sure the first one that, like, I remember. Like, the, the OJ thing happened, like, we were too young we're for that. You were way too young. Um, this is the first case that I, like, really remember... Same. ...going on. Same. So, you know, pour one out for the homie for igniting this fire in us, I guess. Um, So, yeah, that's my main case. I understand it's not a lot of fact and evidence-based, but sometimes I truly think that that trumps details. And, you know, I sound dumb when I say that, but, like... I don't think you sound dumb at all. I think that's honestly the same perspective that a lot of people have. I know. Like, everything that you're saying is what 99% of the people listening right now are like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He did it. You know? Like, I don't I, know. I don't think it sounds dumb at all. Okay. So, to wrap this up, this part one of why Scott Peterson is guilty, you know, may the best woman win. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to win in this situation. Like, he's on death row. No one knows what happened. But, um... We are going to end part one, and we hope you'll tune in for part two because there's a lot of interesting factoids that Krista's going to present that might change your perspective. So stay tuned for that, and thanks for listening. Have a great day, guys.